Today's episode is with Ben Finelli. He is the host of Heroic Minds podcast. If you Google or YouTube his name, you'll find a lot of stories about his concussion experience. Ben Finelli had played for the Kitchener Rangers for a number of seasons. He experienced a concussion, which we talked about a little bit in the episode, but the thing with it is something that happens and it's it's a brain injury so you're not gonna remember certain moments so we we tried to talk about the moments leading up to it and how his life changed after it and the the change in perspective from all the people that he's met in his podcast and we just we talked about his outlook on life and like how he sees things and how he goes through his day and what motivates him and what his big goals are and who inspires him and it was a good episode it was two podcast hosts kind of comparing ideas, comparing notes. So I hope you enjoy this one and share it with a friend. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, season two. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at yegfitness. Welcome to episode 87 of the Lifestyle Chase. I'm joined by the one and only Ben Finelli. Did I get your name right? Yes. Perfect. Nice and easy name. How are you doing today? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Doing really well. Happy to happy to be on here. I see you have a lot of awesome content, so I'm looking forward to chatting. It's it's cool to like talk to another person that hosts a podcast because like I find that we learn so much from our guests. Like, uh, do you find that you've sort of evolved as a person from being a podcast host? A hundred percent. I mean, that's been the biggest reason to do the podcast is that I came from a world and totally fault to my my own was from a world where we operated in a silo as a, as a hockey player and as I think athletes that that put value on one thing and one thing only you end up again at fault to your own putting yourselves in the same scenarios around the same people learning the same things and not really venturing outside into where you're not as comfortable and learning new things so this came along at the perfect time because it was when I stepped away from the game of hockey and was trying to figure out what exactly am I going to do with my life. I didn't believe I was good at anything. I didn't believe I had any other skills or talents because so much was pushed aside for that one ideal, which was playing in the, in the national hockey league. So because of me transitioning and being a little bit lost and and trying to figure out what exactly am I going to do the ability to now turn to something knew something I didn't know much about. It was an unbelievable opportunity to learn about other people while at the same time learning about myself and learning about different experiences people go through, different minorities, different groups, different thought process and things I I agreed with, but also a lot that I didn't agree with. And just learning the value of having so many different sides to you has made me a better person today. I'm involved in more conversations. I'm learning at a pace that I've never learned at before. I'm interested in things I never thought I'd be interested in and finding value in things I never thought I would find value in. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, hey, we're going to have a a full day of talking about philosophy and psychology or science or space travel, I would say, one, I I can't be a part of that conversation because I'm not smart enough. And two, I, I don't have time. I've got to lift and work towards playing hockey so uh, that's the complete opposite today I, I have all the time in the world to learn about new things and discover new ideas learn more about myself and ultimately still carry on that same goal of of helping other people and inspiring other people so that that continues to be a goal of mine finding different ways to do that and learning different things ideas concepts on exactly how to do that I really like that. That was a great way to articulate it. Um, I'm curious with all the guests that you've had, like I find like sometimes we sort of like, we were so hyped up about a guest and we have these expectations for what's going to come of it. And then it just completely surprises us. Like maybe they have like a talent that we didn't expect, or maybe they had an experience that we didn't see coming. Can you think of like a few instances where that's happened to you? 
one ironically wasn't necessarily a story of uh, tragedy that you could see or or illness or disease or anything like that but one of the interesting stories was jerry d the comedian that i had on that that's the first one that comes to mind as a surprise only because i didn't know and i don't see that part of his story on the internet much he's a comedian he makes people laugh incredible guy i didn't know how big his heart was until until i got to know him a little more but with him it was how much he truly lived his ethos which is if you're going to do something and not plan to be the best at it then why waste your time like you should plan to try and be the best at everything you do and put everything you can into it and he went from house league hockey to canadian university hockey which as a coach in the league i know how good it is in one year that's unheard of like that is one of the most incredible jumps. And he said he spent the entire year before university planning to play on the team. And he's like, why would I do it if I wasn't planning to be the best at it? So he, he and his whole life is like that now, even with comedy. And that's why he's, he's been so successful. So that was, that was one surprise. Uh, but in regards to the stories of, of people, it's, a lot of the surprises come when you when you really dig deep and you get these personal stories. Um, one example early on is Amber Schufelt, who is a young woman that lives life with cystic fibrosis. And and one of the most powerful things she said is that if, if people in the past didn't do what they could for cystic fibrosis, people living with cystic fibrosis years before she was born, they wouldn't be where they are technologically, medically today. They, would, they wouldn't be as advanced as they are today. And she said, so now I've taken it upon myself to now do that for people that are born with CF in the future. Knowing and accepting that her life may be shorter than those in the future. But regardless of that situation, she's still planning to do what she can now for those down the road that are born with cystic fibrosis. And when you hear that on the surface, you think, Wow, that's that's very noble and, and courageous. And when you peel back the layers of all the little stories like that, and again, that's just one example that comes to mind. When you really peel back why though, why is what is that value doing for her? And it's 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 giving her purpose, it's giving her a why, it's giving her meaning, it's giving her something to build on, a reason to keep fighting this thing and to keep pushing. And it's not just to overcome it. Like, yes, that could inspire some people, but she's gone even deeper than that. And and to make that value, like, hey, well, while I'm here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make life better for those born with what I have in the future. And so a lot of those little stories, you know, on the surface, they're they're pretty amazing. And and what I've now started to do is, is peel back the layers. Why is it they're doing that? You know, no different than Theo Fleury, unbelievable individual who'd obviously been through a rough, a rough series of events with sexual abuse in his hockey career has now turned it completely around into a positive where he's, he's positively influencing and impacting probably close to millions of people now due to the, the, the internet. Yeah. And so you, you look at his story and something I didn't really see coming and it's, it's, I mean, his saying and his chapter in his book is sitting in your shit. And I apologize if we're not allowed to swear on this podcast. No, it's good. just like, again, on this, on the surface, like, okay, yeah, we have to, we have to really, you know, take on the, the good times, but then also be willing to sit in the, the bad times. And again, on the surface, the story here in the podcast, okay, that's again, courageous, something we have to do, but we don't really want to do. And then you peel back the layers and peel back the layers further and further. And you realize, oh my gosh, we're in a world where, we don't have to ever sit in our shit. We have every distraction, every reason to never, ever sit in our shit. We're actually told the opposite is that pain and discomfort and all those things should be avoided at all costs. So buy the next product, buy the newest thing, scroll through Instagram longer so that you can avoid the realities and the unfortunate things. When you do the opposite, when you do sit in your shit and peel back those layers on your life and your issues and your frustrations, oh my gosh, is it the most empowering thing you can do? And so um, that's just another example of, of a story on the surface where surprised to hear it and you peel back the layers and it's just so powerful. So um, yeah, sorry for the long-winded answer. 
No, that was a perfect answer. And it's like you you see things with a great perspective and you're able to get so much value from the people that you meet. I'm curious, like what what inspired the podcast? What was the moment? Like, was it was it over a beer where you just kind of sitting at home thinking to yourself, what what should I do now? Like what inspired you? failing a bunch of times at certain things and i don't really need to a lot of people like to redefine failure and and you can it's it's all good it's how you want to decipher failure for me it was i wanted to give back to people in a way that maybe not out of the gates but one day made me money to put food on the table had some monetary value to it but then also made an impact and an impact beyond monetary impact so i didn't want to receive funds or split revenue and give it to a group. I wanted to make an impact beyond that a little more sophisticated and sustainable. And so I was trying these different ideas, a fitness program, a coffee shop, a cleaning company, and all intertwined in these ideas were opportunities to give back to people and make an impact in people's lives. And they weren't really working. I, I didn't have a business background. That being said, I, I'm a strong believer that a business background can come from trying and making mistakes and learning very much the same things that you would in a textbook, but a little more organically, maybe is the word. I'm not sure. So anyways, I, I was trying all these things. None of them were really working. And I was sitting in a coffee shop one day with one of my best buddies that, that we do some work together on the whole heroic minds project that is, that is recently starting to evolve and grow quite rapidly, which is really cool. Um, and he said, why don't you start a podcast? You love public speaking. You love working through problems. Why don't you try and pair those two things together? And in that same coffee shop, two, three, actually three months later, maybe we came to a name, an idea, a concept that has very much evolved and been pivoted and redirected six or seven times under that same same name um, and, and grown on its own organically. And I think people realize that as well. And I've been honest out of the gates, like, look, the, the plan that I have in mind is, is basically what is the next thing we're going to try and tackle. Beyond that, I don't have much of a plan. I want to see where I can grow this. And, and to be honest, see where I can grow it now with with listeners that are sticking around and with followers that are sticking around is is the coolest thing for me now i've got pen pals from england chicago all over the place out in bc and never in my life would i think that to be the case so um yeah it was an idea because other things weren't working it was a hobby it was a way to give back and now it's starting to take on a life of its own yeah i love it i can completely relate to that it's all about like is not necessarily uh, giving back through, through through ways that are straightforward, but it's giving back through ways that almost empower others. Like some people don't ever message us about a podcast they listen to, but hearing somebody else's story changed how they saw things, and that's how we give back. Totally, totally, you're you're exactly right, and I think it's a more sustainable way to give back as well. Uh, if you do something for someone it could inspire them and empower them to do it again themselves. I think sometimes we struggle with when we do things for someone or lead the horse to water and force the horse to drink it. It's, it's often not uh, sustainable. Yeah. That, that expectation that you're continually there to help or that there's someone else that's going to help push you that extra inch that you need. I think it's about giving people the tools, but then also the, the reason and the why and the how to, to actually do it themselves. So I think that's exactly what you're talking about, exactly what you're doing. So I appreciate it. Perfect. I was listening to you talk about like your, your friend describing you. And one of the things that stood out to me was he was saying how you love working through problems. And I find that like as we learn more about ourselves, we it's the best piece of self-development that we can ever have. It's just like sitting in your shit, learning learning where you struggle, learning where you fail, learning where you succeed, learning what your needs are. I'm curious what what kind of hit you in the face where you realized how much you love working through problems. Not that not that you're scared of problems, but that you're like, yeah, bring on the next one. What was it that made that happen? I think it was a realization that our ego, and, and that can be interpreted in many different ways, but for me personally, I would call it my ego 
and drive to be something greater. And, and that's for, I think a sense of that my ego gets hurt. Actually, it's a, it's a, I think it comes from a place of vulnerability and I think we're all there to be honest. But for me personally, it was a place of vulnerability where I had this one thing that was going to be everything to me. And and was willing to do anything. I mean, the proof's in the pudding that after the injury I went through, the fact that I was willing to go back to play was proof of how bad I needed it, how bad I wanted it, and how much it meant to me. And I put that on one thing. And I peel back the layers and realize, why did I need that so bad? Was it really hockey? What was it? And I've realized that it was this ego. It was a, it was a hurt ego or an unstable ego that needed to be fulfilled by the success of something. And that would give me value. And so, again, it comes. It came a little bit from a place of vulnerability um, that I started to realize that working through problems helps build that ego up a little bit. And whether that be a positive thing or a negative thing, it, that, that's just the reality. It's It was from a place of a hurt ego. And now I've, I've learned a lot about that. I've worked through those issues and the reasons I did have those, those feelings. Uh, and now just channeled it in another way. It's not that I need to be successful to fill these voids or or build up this this fragile ego. It's it's from a place of now, similar to what Amber said. Like w- you have an opportunity here with the time you're given, and and that's taking its place. You have an opportunity to create, right? Try and create something that no one's created. Try and have a conversation that no one's had. And now it's from a place of building on a foundation that I believe is strong. That's the story I'm telling myself now. It's not trying to fill a void. It's it's building on what already exists. And to do that, you have to look outside yourself and, and find new ways to do it instead of going back to the same well, trying to fill that same hole. It's just a bottomless pit with be good at hockey, be good at hockey, make millions of dollars, make millions of dollars. And and the, even that in itself is stress inducing, having a, something you're reaching towards, trying and trying that once I get to hockey, that's going to fill the void. I'm not there yet. So I'm, I'm stressed and anxious. And so it's not that anymore. It's, it's let's work through problems. Let's try and work through them in a way that no one else has. Let's try and help more people in different ways. And um, so that's where, where that came from. So initially, I think it was a bit of a a darker place and, and now it's evolved into a healthier relationship with with struggle and and challenge i think that's a great way to articulate it and there's going to be people that listen to this and they know your story and there's going to be people who listen to this and they don't know your story so in the most uh just i don't know like paraphrase but not paraphrase like talk about it as much as you want but what was your experience like in in your your injury experience um what part of the the injury or what part of the recovery process well essentially like the emotions that you went through when it first happened and how you stayed resilient through that process because a lot of people are going to be hit with this thing that like stops them and then they're like how how can i possibly move forward because that it's like that association with ego that you talked about it's like it needs to be hockey. I need to succeed in hockey. Well, you might get a person that is trying to be a competitive dancer and they I need to dance. Like I can't be my best self if I can't do dance. And it's just like, how, how did you build on your resilience and what were the emotions that you went through when you thought that you didn't have resilience? How did I build on my resilience? It's a, it's an interesting question, especially phrased that way. How did I build on my resilience? I think, what I honestly did was I was forced to peel back the layers that were in my way. And then I was just acting as humans do, which humans are resilient. Like, I think that's one thing I made a mistake on in the past was thinking that you build this resilience and you, you, you build these tools to to overcome challenge. And, And what I realized is quite the opposite is that, we wouldn't be alive today if we didn't all have these innate resilience tools in us. That's just the nature of, we, we wouldn't have evolved, we wouldn't have adapted. So to say, how did I build on my resilience is, is I think I peeled back things that were in my way, allowing me to be resilient, allowing me to act in a way that, that looked like, oh, he's got all these resilient tools. No, those are just the tools that are inside me that we're born with. And that allowed me to be resilient. Like. Uh, 
going to the gym twice a day. Um, that's totally doable by anyone. We just have to be in a mindset and a state where we have a clear mind. And that's the only thing we're worried about. That's all we have to do at this moment to get it done. To realize that you may never play the game again. Uh, that's something we all have the ability to do. We just have to peel back the layers in the way that are telling us we, we won't be able to live without it. So those are just very brief examples, but that's, that's in a nutshell, that's what the situation is. It's that we all have these abilities in us, these ways to be resilient, to look at the, the stories of, of courage and strength all over the world. And I, I tried to look for a consistency. Well, what path did they take? What was their diet? How old were they? How were they raised? That's one of the big ones I looked into. How were they raised? Well, they must have had a healthy upbringing or, or the opposite. They must have had a, a really tragic upbringing and they built up these resilience tools along the way. There's no consistencies. Yeah. The, the consistency is people either deciding to or being forced to clear their mind, to clear that cloudy stuff in their way. And that awakens the, the tools and the skills needed to be resilient. And in, in my specific situation, it was the emotions I was feeling really was, it was going back to that topic of the ego. That, that was the most difficult to, to sit in the arena, watch my 23 teammates, also best friends, play a game I wasn't allowed to play in front of 8,000 people. That was difficult. That was tough. And how did I, how did I get through that? Well, I don't really have a sexy or fancy answer here is that I just approached my coach who was extremely unbelievably supportive as well as all my teammates, which is a massive part of the stories, the support I was around. But I approached my coach and said, you know, it's getting tough for me to, to watch these games and be around for game time. I'll be around for practice. I'll be around for road trips. But once the game starts, I think I just need to get some fresh air. It's tough to watch. He said, for sure. Totally. I, I said, I'm going to go to the pool and swim or go down to the gym in the basement of the rink and work out while the games are on. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And that turned into actually me competing in triathlons and duathlons one day before I went back to play. But it was just, it was giving that, that negative energy or frustration somewhere to go. And was that the right or wrong thing to do? At the time, I'm, I'm not even sure reflecting back. I'll, I do know it opened a bunch of doors. It led me to, to ride a bike beside Lance Armstrong, which is a dream come true and something I'll never, ever forget. And someone that is still a hero to me, regardless of, of what comes out now in the media, I still think he's he's literally saved lives. He's He's got um, a, a thirst to succeed that, again, regardless of, of the story, is just it's unfathomable and it's, it's pretty impressive. So anyways, led me to that, led me to so many other things, led me to start a charity. So yeah, being it, it, but then again, it forced me to be clear, right? Those emotions, it forced me to understand those emotions and sit there and think, why do I feel this way? At the time, I didn't even know it was my ego till I very, it got towards the end of my career. All I know is I took, okay, I don't feel good here. I'm going to go somewhere where I can feel a little bit better. And then I just started doing the same. I mean, I couldn't articulate what I am now back then. That's for sure. I was just acting on instinct. Like, where, what do I need to do to feel better to get ahead? And um, just slowly chipped away and ultimately got back to playing. So, yeah, that's, uh, again, I know a long-winded answer. It's just a lot. A lot goes into to that process of recovery, both mentally and physically. Absolutely. And like, that's why we're here. We're, we're not here to talk more about me. We're here to talk about you. And so if your answers are long and thought out and you're talking about everything there is to talk about, like that's, that's why people listen to podcasts. So totally. like, with, with that day, do you remember the, how it started off? Do you remember anything about like the morning or anything like that? Uh, no, no, I don't. I remember the, the only thing I remember is the day before. Okay. I remember us playing the day before outside of town at an away game and that's, and then coming back on the bus, actually not even just getting barely. Do I remember getting onto the bus and that was it. So from that point in your life, we're just like looking at perspective. Like what was your life then in comparison to what your life is like today? And would you have expected that to happen? Like from such a place, from a place of like, 
darkness and uncertainty to where you are at now. What what is it like to reflect on that perspective and the comparisons of those two times in your life? The time in the hospital? Yeah. Or or like even just the how you were in your your day-to-day at that age, at that level of life experience with the amount of people that you had met in that time in your life in comparison to where you are now and all the people you've met and all of the experiences you've had. Like so many people have something just crazy happen in their life. And from what we would be reflecting on, you might not know what's coming, but you, you would have, it's like, we don't know what we don't know. So a lot of people take life with a very negative outlook because they don't know what's coming or they don't know what they haven't experienced yet. And so now since the injury, just forgetting about the hospital experience, because that's fairly straightforward. But since the injury with all the life experience you've had, like what, what has changed? What really stands out? What did you really, what caught you off guard? And it doesn't have to be career. It can be like anything really, because sometimes for a person to hear like what comes after and how much you did not expect it can help them through their tough times. Right, right. Um, hmm. Lots of things have have been different and changed in ways. Um, I think it's a it's a. I'm trying to not. Uh, the most obvious one, I guess, would be that I'm just more uh, aware of myself, and and I know we've already touched on that. So I'm trying to think of something else that would be different and has your social circle diversified um yes and no i mean i i i'd always to be honest been i was very much in the silo of hockey but i still had many other friends in school that weren't that weren't athletes i it's diversified only just because of of age and and career and stuff not as much um you know yeah um i've i think it's a not only the awareness of myself but just of like why i'll do certain things an awareness of why i make certain decisions or why i did make certain decisions i think is the biggest wake-up call um that has that has then ultimately affected the other things in my life. Like if, if if you peel it back that far, you know, you could I totally am involved with different people for sure. I'm I'm involved in different things. I have different urges to do different things and inspired to do different things. And those are those are kind of easy answers, of course. That comes from trauma. It comes from experience life experience. You you pivot and you learn new things like, oh yeah, I want to go do that now or well, that's interesting. I never thought I'd be interested in that. And those are those are kind of easy answers to, to give, which aren't as interesting, but it's it's kind of why. Why are those things changing? Why are we, once we go through something, why are we now doing different, leading our lives in a different way kind of thing? And I think that's what's been different is, is why do I have an urge to maybe tr- travel somewhere? Why do I have an urge to really pursue the relationship I'm in now and, and learn about conflict resolution and learn about the the person I'm in a relationship with that's so much deeper than maybe I had in the past. Like why, I think asking that question and, and you, when you do, you realize it, I don't know, it kind of centers me. I think that's one thing that's different. The biggest thing is it centers me to ask why I'm acting in a certain way, why I'm working on developing certain relationships and you realize your intentions and you, you can kind of realize what your end goal is and you, and you work through that whole situation and you can kind of shape those intentions. Like you shape with the story in your mind, the story you're telling yourself, like, why was it so difficult to wake up at 6 a.m. two days ago? Yet the last two days, my girlfriend, that's a physio and she's up early at six. I hopped out of bed today. I literally jumped out of bed today. Well, not literally, but pretty close. <laughs> like just was pulled, pulled out of bed today whereas two days ago i wasn't so i there that's the difference for me i'm i kind of and i'm not in my not enough that i'm in my own head you know wasting my day thinking why am i why was it easier for me to get out of bed today no it's from a place of of interest and curiosity of oh maybe it's because i was thinking this 
that morning. Maybe it's because I was thinking that. Maybe it's because you know I worked out too hard and and stayed up reading and it just I didn't get the rest I needed. Like asking those questions, I was not. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't even have. I wouldn't even have noticed that it was easier probably to get out of bed. I would have just assumed. Blah, whatever. I wasn't being touch and aware enough. So I think that that question of why, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel that way? And again, I want to make it clear for for those listening, it's not from a place of of <clears throat> uh, um, what's the word? It's it's not from a place of of constant trying to improve. It's not looking at it in a negative way, saying I should have felt better getting up. I should always feel like this getting up in the morning and and I better expect that and I better demand it from myself. Like, no, that's not, that's not it. That's just stress inducing. It's from a sense of curiosity and, and just learning about the body and the mind and and how it connects. Cause it's interesting. Why is it some days easier for people to get out of bed? And I think you really, really have to peel back the layers to know because consciously you won't know that those motives are in your subconscious. They're in your mind that we barely understand. So you really have to peel back and then figure out why that is because to say, you know, I didn't eat well enough or, well, we know you can have great energy when you're not eating well. So there's an example of like, okay, on your conscious level, you're not going to figure it out. You really got to peel the layers back. So um, yeah, that's been the biggest thing for sure is, is asking myself why. I think that's, that's a great way to see it because like, so often people get so wrapped up about what they don't have and then they forget to really zone in on what they do have or like why they have it or what they really have like sometimes a person might have like a really quality relationship where they they understand so much about this other person they put so much work into it and they don't realize like that is like something not to be taken for granted like that that level of connection yeah you're you're spot on you're exactly right so my next question for you is just to kind of like paint a picture of what life looks like for you now. Like what, what is your Monday to Friday routine? Oh, it's a little sporadic. That's one thing I'm working on is, is finding is, is improving my scheduling abilities. That's for sure. I, I have a lot going on. My biggest issue is saying, no, I don't have time. I, my answer is yes. Yes. I'll fit it in. We'll find a way. We'll rearrange. As we know with scheduling this podcast, we had to reschedule it three times because the answer is always yes. So I'm, I'm working, not necessarily saying no, but taking time to take a step back and say, okay, I want to do this, but I also want to do these six things. So let's find a way to make it work. That's healthy and works for everyone. So you have to work through different people's different relationships. You have to work through uh, time sensitive things. That's, that's one thing I'm working on. So I know it's, it's, what is my week like my week is it's all over the place I, I really enjoy that i think i enjoy it also in a way that isn't i get i get maybe a little bit of dopamine knowing i'm sometimes multitasking am i but then i have to ask myself am i doing my best work though so um yeah in a simple way they're, they're sporadic weeks running from the rink i work full-time as an assistant coach at the university of waterloo men's hockey team which i'm so lucky to be a part of it's an absolutely incredible outstanding group of people um so i do that full-time and then i fit in the podcasting the consulting the public speaking whenever i can and and that's where the scheduling tools could be improved uh, and then i i work the same with my workout schedule i try to work out every single day uh, i'm usually i'm pretty good at that there are times where a new project will come along or i'll be working on something that it's not getting rid of the workout it's cutting it short so it's been a lot of those those heavy breathers those red liners in 10 minutes just get them in and out or it's hopping on the treadmill and i i call it my 10 10 and 10 i do 10 hard on the treadmill 10 hard on the rower and 10 hard on the assault bike so um, there are a couple days of that but i i tend to make sure that's a priority i yeah instantly when I'm done my workout, I feel my mind clear. It's pretty remarkable. So that's one thing I, I always make sure I get in. But yeah, sporadic weeks. I enjoy that. Need to work on scheduling. I think can always be improved on and efficiency of, of completing tasks, working on that as well. Yeah, that's, that's my life too. Like every week is different. Um, I could be definitely way more efficient, but I like what I do. I can totally understand like that rush that you get from yeah like the the whole idea of multitasking or just like conquering all these things in one day and then sometimes we bite off more than we can chew but that's life that's how we learn 
Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. It's a slippery slope, right? You have your, your, I remember times in my life, you have your phone open, your laptop open, and you're doing six different things. You're on the phone at the same time. And it's kind of like, it's a, it's a gut check. You think you're doing lots and you're doing a little and it takes longer and you look at the clock, you feel like you have no time. And again, you peel back the cloudiness in your mind, work on one thing. Why is it we need to do four things at once? Exactly. We don't ask ourselves that. So yeah. Yeah. What do you do to clear your head when you're just, cause you're going to have times when you bit off more than you can chew and you're facing like burnout. How do you like uh, work on either alleviating that sensation of burnout or just taking some you time? The, this is, this probably doesn't work for everyone. And I think, I think that's fair to say any hack, life hack, whatever, biohack or not, not everything works for everyone. That's so I don't say this is studied or proven or, but for me, it's, I always ask myself the question, if I, I can sense it, I can feel it, that I'm feeling a little bit anxious because I'm doing too much. Even if I'm ruminating on my schedule for the day or for the next three days, I've got two talks. I've got to be at the rink at this time for pre pregame skate. I've got to do this, that, and the other thing I'll find myself ruminating in my own mind and I just challenge my ego again. My relationship with that is the best thing you can do right now, Ben, is be in this exact moment and do one thing. That's the best thing you can do for the best outcome possible in, in this micro situation, but also in the macro situation of your entire life. I just say, remind myself of that. I drop my shoulders and I'm, I just, I know that's true. Like it's, that is proven true. Like if I try and do three things at once, you look at any textbook from this year or from back in time, it'll show that, yeah, I'll do a better job. I'll get things done more efficiently if I do one at a time. I will schedule better if I schedule, if, if the only thing I'm working on is scheduling, get the schedule done and then it's there. It's on paper, it's in your phone. You don't need to be ruminating on it. So not only is it proven outside, I've proven it to myself. So that's that's my reminder that, that allows me to lock in and or stop working and go for a run, stop working and go play pickleball, whatever it is that I need an out for. It's it's that conversation with myself. Yeah. I think that that's so true. And you're right. Like it's it's in all kinds of different coaching systems and all kinds of different uh mentorships where people are like, no, you gotta break it down, you gotta time block, quit focusing on doing four things at once, just zone in on one put all your energy into one, get it done, move on to the next one. Yep. Yeah. So not your... easy, not easy. Oh yeah. It's like way easier said than done. Um, yeah. With your coaching job, like how, how did that come up? Like, did you know somebody, did somebody seek you out? Did you seek it out? I knew someone through, there was a billet dad when I played with the Kitchener Rangers here in town. He was a billet for a lot of our American players, actually some pretty incredible names that are that are now in the NHL today. And so I was lucky enough to get close with him while I was playing for the Rangers. And then when I finished playing, he had asked if I wanted to come help out with the women's team initially, as he's the head coach of the women's team here at the University of Waterloo. So I started some part-time stuff, some defense work, and then I got to know the men's coach while I was here running those skates and was asked if I wanted to apply for the men's associate coach job and decided to, and the rest is history. How did coaching change who you are as a person? It allowed me to reflect on what I'm going to say before I say it. And not, not because of what I'm going to say and the value of what I'm going to say or what's going to come out of me. It's realizing the other person. What do they need to hear and how are they going to be receptive to a certain message articulated and explained in a certain way or how you say it? So every We have 23 guys will say a night, more than that on the full roster. And messages have to be delivered differently to each individual person. And maybe that's that's one degree difference for each pe each person. For some, it's a complete, almost different message that you have to give to certain people to get the most out of them. So that's been the, the biggest thing is, is realizing, taking a second, what am I going to say? Why am I going to say it? And important, more importantly is how am I going to say it? Because they're going to be receptive in a different way than, than the next teammate right beside them so even my head coach how am I talking with my head coach how am I talking in a way and one thing that he's taught me is is 
explaining things efficiently. Yeah. Right. So that, so first, first is, is how you're going to deliver your message differently for each individual person, not, and the importance isn't on how you're going to say it, it's how they're going to receive it. Um, so that's how your message should be tailored. And then the efficiency of your message is a big thing that my head coach talked about. I mean, in a podcast, it's nice that you can ramble on and talk and dive deeper and bounce around and, and then 20 minutes later, come back to the original point you were trying to make in coaching it to me, it's about efficiency. It's about in the sporting world. And it will say, and even niche down even more in the hockey world and niche down even more in the university system where our players are in five courses here at the university of Waterloo. They're not in, they're not in, we'll say the easiest degrees, computer science, optometry, uh, engineering, bioengineering, all this, these crazy degrees. So they're in class all day. You have these players for, we'll say total, total time at the rink, an hour and a half, two hours, every, we'll say three, four days a week. And within that hour and a half, two hours, you have their attention for 47 seconds. In that 47 seconds, you have to get across the messages you need to to improve them as you're hoping to improve them as people, because that's what we're about here. It's a, it's way bigger than just hockey. You're hoping to teach them something and you're hoping to improve their game. And, and when I say 47 seconds, I mean you and that player, you and someone. We do our video, right? You're talking to the whole room at that point. But individually, you have that that small window of opportunity to make an impact. So if you have some long-winded, convoluted message, it probably won't make as big an impact as if you really think about what you're going to say, how you're going to say it efficiently to get the point across. And so that's one thing my, my head coach has taught me. He's taught me a lot, but that's that's one of the biggest ones and something I, I try to work into my everyday life, except when I'm on a podcast with you, I'll drag the questions out and answers out as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> who, who are three people that you really look up to in life? So one is Lance Armstrong, as I already explained. I think, I think yes, whatever happened, happened. And, I, and I'm not even judging that. I think the one thing I admire is that when you have a drive to achieve something, and, and it's not even achieving exactly what he achieved. It's the fact that you're, again, you're here for this limited amount of time. And you have an opportunity. Do I agree with with being the best at what he wanted to be the best at? Not really. I'm admiring the the proof that if you want something bad enough, and I don't, and I mean the equal playing field that he was in, it's it's incredible that that the body can harness that type of courage and willpower to do something. Even when he talks about climbing, to doing his climbs and, and all the rides, and I know there's other people like that out there. I'm not devaluing the other riders or other athletes. To hear how he approaches it and that the story in his mind is it the healthiest maybe maybe not i'm not judging that i just think it's it's remarkable that the human body and the human and the mind can generate that type of energy and that type of power so so he's one another individual is malcolm gladwell i don't know if you've read his books he's actually from not too far from here now he's in in new york and a successful author obviously amazing speaker I love Malcolm Gladwell because he takes, he can take complex ideas from different areas of, of research. Like he could take philosophy and psychology, two complex ideas within both of those studies and put them together in a simple to understand form. And in reading, reading some of his books, like, I don't know, Blink, he's, you know, the 10,000 hours you practice for 10,000 hours, you can uh, perfect something. That's one example. I, his book, Blink, about the power of our unconscious mind is, was incredible to me. Like that, it's remarkable. And again, he takes all these different studies, all these different points of view and puts them into a book to talk about one thing, but he brings them all together in a form that you can understand. So I think, He's someone I, I really look up to because that's my goal is I want to take thoughts, ideas, concepts from philosophy, psychology, behavioral studies, neuroscience. And I want to do what he's doing one day. I want to bring that together in a way that's understandable and applicable 
to someone's life. So he's, he's someone I look up to for the, I guess you could say more the academic side, someone I hope to meet one day. The dream would be to have him on, on my podcast. So we'll see, fingers crossed. Third one, third person. Hmm. I think one, I mean, briefly, it's, I'm going to make it three people, but one that I'll tell a story on. So there's two people in my life um, that I'm quite close with that have had a lot of success at a really young age uh, that play in the NHL and, and not just, just surviving in the NHL, really, really doing well, top of the league type things. And, and the one thing I, I realized with them is that you, if you saw them on the street, you'd have no idea the success they've had what with what they're wearing uh, how they carry themselves decisions they would make in public you would have no idea that what they've done now i the person the one person that i look up to my, my grandfather that passed away when i was at camp with the new york rangers years ago now seven six or seven years ago um, he was so successful we kind of knew he, he was a veterinarian. He did well for himself. When he passed away, he left. He had, he had value. We didn't even know things he owned. We didn't even know money set aside for family that we didn't even know to help with schooling, et cetera, et cetera. He biking was his favorite thing on the earth. And he had the same bike during my entire life. So he had a 20 year old bike when he, when I passed away, 20 year old biking was his favorite thing. He had, and he had, we now we know quite, quite a bit of monetary value. Didn't buy a new bike, his truck. He drove the truck till pretty much legally. He wasn't allowed to drive it anymore because it was so banged up. He could have been driving a Ford wrap two Ford Raptors. If he wanted, didn't, he could have had seven, featherweight road bikes if he wanted but he didn't he could have told the family what he had what he was leaving never told anyone to the point where it actually caused issues because of the estate yeah i don't know how much you know about managing an estate or dealing with an estate but basically if the money's not put in in a certain form or value or account etc a lot of it can be taken through the government and, and lawyer fees accounting fees all this stuff because the more complex it is, the more fees will be needed to be paid to, to rectify all the stuff and get it all ironed out. So he could have told people to help with that, but was so humble in his successes. And, and to me, I've realized that that sense of being humble is being so centered and clear in your mind of, of who you are, what your values are and what you represent. I, I'm a big believer in, and can I prove this right now? No, but I, I'm realizing that the need to live beyond and tell people about everything is that there's something in you that isn't comfortable and isn't confident. And you, you do tend to rise up to the clouds and, and have your head in the clouds a little bit and maybe invest in or buy things you don't really exactly need or tell people things they don't really need to know. And, and I'm realizing maybe it's because there's a sense of vulnerability there. And I think looking back and I wish I could ask him the question is, is just how was he so sound? how with all the stuff he had going on and, and the work he did as a, a veterinarian and starting his business, having four daughters, all that stuff. Um, it's yeah, pretty amazing that he was able to, to stay that humble. And, and again, I know it's a little sexier to say two NHL players, but I think even more proof was, was my grandfather. So he's definitely someone I look up to. That's super cool. Like I, I like what you got out of that experience and how it has kind of like contributed to who you are as a person mm -hmm. big time so i have a, a bit of a hippy dippy question that i ask a lot of people and it's gonna make you think it's gonna make you uh think really hard about the last seven days in the last seven days what moment has given you the most joy like what what moment were, did you feel the happiest and what were you doing what what, what was going on during that time over the last seven days, something I really take pride in is like you do is your podcasting. And one of the most proud moments I had was I asked Dave Williams, Dr. Dave Williams, an astronaut I just had on the podcast. 
a question and I said, how do you push aside your selfishness uh, to be the best you can be with balancing a family and a wife and kids while striving to be the best? Because he, I mean, he went to space. He's, he's quite a successful individual. A lot of work obviously went into getting to that point. So how do you how do you deal with the selfishness needed to be that good to be to get to the top of your game with with having a family because he was accepted into or started his NASA training married and just had a child with Down syndrome as well. Um, Amazing family still today. The kicker is his wife was also becoming a pilot at a time where there weren't many female pilots. So they balanced all of that driving from Toronto to Houston crazy crazy so how did how did you balance that and he said you know i used the word success and he said really what you're asking is is how to define your success and he said defining your success will will basically tell you whether you're you're willing or not willing to do what you need to do he said to me success wasn't just being the best astronaut i could be success wasn't just going to space for me success was yeah, I want to get to space, but I also want to be the best husband and best father I can be. That's that's true success. So he did what he needed to to be successful. And I put successful in quotations because it was subjective. It, it's subjective to each individual. And that that was one thing, to be honest, is is I, I had this fear that, oh, I can only chase I can only chase things while I'm young. And that's a common narrative is I can only chase things while I'm young, because once you have a family, you're too busy. And maybe that parts of that could be true. But I mean, if you can become a NASA astronaut while your wife's becoming one of very early on first female pilots and raise children, um, tough to argue that, right? And, and he, it was so powerful that you define your success. Like keep chasing, be on the chase till the very last day, even age, right? That was one thing I was worried about. Is I love what I'm doing right now, chasing this thing. And am I super successful in it? Maybe some would think that. I think I've got a long way to go and some cool things to to get under my belt and experience and people to talk to. And I'm, I was worried that will, will that chase come to an end one day? And the power of that answer and conversation with Dr. Williams was just, that was a moment where I was like ready to rip my shirt off and, and go for a jog or maybe not a jog, a sprint. Cause it was just so empowering. And, and I remember having the conversation with my girlfriend that night and uh, to be able to share that. And I shared it from a place of joy and happiness. And uh, so that was, that was the yeah happiest moment, best moment over the last seven days. That's for sure. That's awesome. What mm. are three things about your girlfriend that make you a better person? One is academically, she is miles, miles beyond me. She's able to to just understand things and make decisions so fast, thinking seven layers deeper than I than I had been. And and to be honest, it's it's kind of been a call to action. Like, okay, you know what, Ben? Like you want to be educated for the podcast and, and your speaking opportunities, but also be educated to keep up with her. So that's one thing is that she's very, very smart in, in many different ways, not just academics, decision-making, comprehension, all that stuff. It's, it's really cool. So that's one way she makes me better. Uh, another way she makes me better is, is a call to action on also taking time to kick back and relax. So I watched Breaking Bad back in the day, and now we've got our, our Breaking Bad marathon going because she's never seen it. And that's, this is just one example. Uh, but she's really good at uh, at pulling me down into the clouds. Like, okay, you need to do, you need to just chill tonight. Like, this is, or or during or on the weekend, let's just do this instead of working on the other projects. And so that's another thing is is definitely keeps my head out of the clouds. She's really good at, at saying like, you got lots of time to do this. Why is it we have to do it right now, right? Yeah. So that's that's one thing that I've gotten better at too. But early on, that's a, that was a big one is, is let's simplify things here. And then the last one, and quite simply is she, and this is such an easy answer. And I, so I may not even go with it is that she just works so hard. Um, I think one thing I could be better at is calculating what I'm doing before I do it, which she's really good at. Um, she's extremely, it's more of an awareness thing, right? 
like asking yourself, why are you doing stuff? And I think so that efficiency of getting things done is, is really inspired by, by her. It's kind of like, Hey, let's, instead of jumping into something, cause that's my personality, let's jump into this and just do it. Her, her thing is, okay, wait a second though. How can we do it better? And, and maybe we did this and we would, we would actually educate ourselves on something that we need to know before we go into it. Cause I'll just jump into something pretty much blind and like, let's get this done. And then I realize, wait, I wish I was educated on, on X, Y, or Z. And she, she's good at, again, pulling the reins in simplifying and saying, okay, let's, let's tackle this first, this next and, and think things through before we jump into them. And so she's helped with, with everything really we've talked about on this podcast. She's a, a huge part of my development as a person and definitely lucky enough to, to have her be living with her now. So, um, yeah, we'll see where things go, but she's definitely a massive, massive part of my, my growth as a, as a person. And we, we wanted to get a puppy for the longest time, but we're in a condo and it's just wasn't, we felt it wasn't fair to us or a dog. Um, but we got fish instead. So we're pretty fired up about that. So that's another thing. Um, we take value in is it's been kind of like a meditative thing too. You just go in the morning, you know, sun hasn't come out yet and we're sitting there by the tank. The tank's lighting up the whole, the whole living room. And it's just these little guppies swimming around. It's kind of peaceful. So that's another thing that she's helped bring into my life. But I think I, maybe I was the one that initiated that a little more. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can totally relate with like the wanting to have a dog, but living in a condo thing. It's like, one day just one day i just want to have a dog but it's like the dog needs space the dog needs some freedom it needs a yard all that stuff so that makes sense you're totally right it needs the time right the time so maybe one day move out of the condo and into a house and have a bit of a backyard or something like that and uh, yeah we'll see absolutely so i'm curious about your big goals you're a driven person like me you're bound to have some some big, hairy, audacious goals. I stole that term from Lululemon. I'm just taking it and running with it. But uh, <laughs> in like the next 10 years, what's what's your 10-year goal? And then what's your five-year goal? Hmm. I To be honest, I don't even have a 10-year. I can't even think that far ahead. Um, my five-year goal would be to have to be able to be involved in coaching somehow and, and, and especially this, this school, because it's, yeah, you don't realize how, unless you're, you're really doing your research. I I'll say myself personally, I didn't realize how incredible this school is till you, you look at the stuff they're releasing online and, and even walking through campus. It's they, there's a quote on the wall that says ideas that change the world. And quite frankly, there are things going on on campus that are, if they haven't already going to change the world. And there's a, there's a wall of, of companies and, and, and people creators that have done things that have changed the world already. So to be a part of a school like that, I want to, I want to maintain that relationship. However, it works within what I, what my personal goals are with, with heroic minds. My goal would be uh, very loosely. Again, I, I don't think putting a specific goal on it. I, I haven't done that. I want to keep growing. I'll say selfishly one specific goal I have, which is probably the only one in regards to heroic minds. I think wherever it goes, as long as it's making an impact, I'm cool with, as long as it's appropriate and doing the right things, let's see where it goes. I don't know. But the the one selfish one is I would love to have my own office in whatever space allows me to do it um, where it's very industrial and I have my desk, a whiteboard, where I can create, maybe if it's a quiet enough building, it's a spot I can record. But then within this room, within this office, hopefully a window somewhere, but I have all the stuff I need for the way I work out. I have my, my uh, the barbell, uh, you know, just one nice and simple, but I have all the weights I need, all the dumbbells I need, maybe some ropes and a treadmill and a rower or something like that. Just everything I need in a space within the office. Uh, because that's kind of how I I do things is work. I need a rest. I need to get to the gym. I can do it right there. So that's that's really all I have planned. I don't know where Heroic Minds is going to go or Heroic Clothing now that I've I've started. I don't know where it's going to go. I I'm just excited to to be along the journey and continue to learn from people I'm I'm lucky enough to talk to like yourself and take things as as far as I can. That's awesome. What what inspired you to start the clothing brand? People reaching out asking if the podcast had apparel and quite simply, I didn't want to get cheap shirts that would fall apart and shrink in the wash and you wouldn't be able to wear them again. 
And so, like I said, staying true to, to throwing things at the wall, see what sticks, see what people are into, see what they're not into. Um, I would start a clothing company and see, see what people think. I think it's, it's interesting and inspiring to look at the life is good brand, seeing that it started without any advertisement, the brand and messaging was just so strong and relatable that it grew on word of mouth. That's what my plan is with, with the heroic clothing is a message idea and concept that I'm hoping survives on organic growth. Is that ridiculous in a world of overstimulation and advertisements everywhere? Yeah, it is. But I think it's a, a fun opportunity and will be a challenge to shape it and get messages out in a way that hopefully hopefully leads to that organic growth. So we'll see. Absolutely. So I have my last and final question. And this is a question that I ask all of my guests. If you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? It would be to peel everything back so far that and understand why you feel the way you do so much so that you're, you can run on instinct the way you're supposed to as a human being. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. thank you for joining me today. It's been a fun chat. Oh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. I, uh, I wish you the best down the road. I'm sure we'll cross paths in the future. And, and thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, you bet. I think, I think we'll cross paths as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you check out Ben's podcast and check out some of his episodes because he's been able to have conversations with some pretty inspiring people. And it complements all the people that I've had a chance to talk to and will diversify your podcast listening experience. I'm putting together a project for January 2020. If you'd like to know more about it, send me a message. I'll keep you in the loop. I can put you on an email list if you want, or just stay tuned and watch me on social media at Christian Little. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one.